there's a couple of different things there. I, I've always kind of been like a journalist at heart. It's what I was interested in as a kid. It's what I started my career doing, a newspaper reporter and editor. Uh, I've always loved talk radio, you know, being on the AM dial and driving, and I always wanted to do that. Uh, and then, so around 2017, I was like, you know, let's, let's do a podcast about water, so just a chance to talk. Uh, and at that point, there weren't really many. Um, you know, I think maybe David McGimsey had his uh, Water Values podcast, but yeah, it was very early on that I started one for the Water Environment Federation. Um, and the reason is because there are uh, there's so many interesting people and so many interesting projects, and there's only so much you can fit in a 500-word blog or a, or a 280-character tweet or a press release, right? Uh, you can get so much more in depth and so much more information through conversation. Uh, it's like the oldest form of communication for people. So it's, it's good to go back to that. Um, I, and there's been, like you said, this proliferation of podcasts over the past five, six years. Uh, and I've, you know, that's good. It shows that there is an appetite for more conversations about water. And I never feel like competitive about it because there are so many, like I said, so many people and projects and angles and issues to it all. There is, there is plenty of food at the table for, for the water podcast community. Welcome to What Are We Talking About? A podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Well, today's guest is Travis Loop. He's the CEO and founder of Waterloop. And I got to know Travis for many, many years. Travis has been uh, one of the people that I kind of admired about the way he's done podcasting. And in fact, when Adam and I decided that we were going to do a podcast, Travis, you one of the people that we looked at to say, hey, this is the guy we want to model ourselves after. So welcome. And we're really happy to have you as a guest on our podcast. Yeah, this is awesome to be on here with you guys. Uh, like I was saying before we got on, it's a little, it's much more nerve wracking to be on this side of the interview. <laughs> a lot of pressure, but uh, I just, you know, you guys are your friends and colleagues, so we'll uh, we'll just talk water here. Well, we welcome you with open arms. It's not going to be too high pressure, aside from our final question, which you've already uh, yeah. prepared for. So you should be all right. And all right. Similar to Jim, Travis, I've known you through your work with WEF and Waterloop and your podcasting and. Um, it's it's been so much fun to to see your journey, and you were one of the earliest ones on this podcast train. So I actually wanted to start there and talk to us about why you felt telling Water's story in the form of a podcast made sense when you started it, because you did it before it was the cool thing to do. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there's a couple of different things there. I, I've always kind of been like a journalist at heart. It's what I was interested in as a kid. It's what I started my career doing a newspaper reporter and editor. Uh, I've always loved talk radio, you know, being on the AM dial and driving. And I always wanted to do that. Uh, and then, so around 2017, I was like, you know, let's, let's do a podcast about water. So just a chance to talk. Uh, and at that point, there weren't really many. Um, you know, I think maybe David McGimsey had his uh, Water Values podcast. But yeah, it was very early on that I started one for the Water Environment Federation. Um, and the reason is because there are uh, there's so many interesting people and so many interesting projects. And there's only so much you can fit in a 500 word blog or a, or a 280 character tweet or a press release, right? Uh, you can get so much more in depth and so much more information through conversation. Uh, it's like the oldest form of communication for people. So it's, it's good to go back to that. Um, I, and there's been, like you said, this proliferation of podcasts over the past five, six years. Uh, and I've, you know, that's good. It shows that there is an appetite for more conversations about water. And I never feel like competitive about it because there are so many, like I said, so many people and projects and angles and issues to it all. There is, there is plenty of food at the table for, for the water podcast community. Yeah, and one of the things interesting that I find, uh, Travis, and we talked about this, is you got a degree in philosophy and religion. And what led you to end up being uh, involved in the water industry? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. Well, so I, I studied, I got that degree in philosophy and religion because it, it's what I was most interested in just as a subject to learn about. I gave zero thought to a career. So I don't know if that's the best college advice for people out there, but that's that's what I did. Um, I was always a water person growing up, like around the Chesapeake Bay, going to the, the beach in Maryland and Delaware. Uh, I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer the whole time I grew up. So I always was around water, uh, picked up surfing in college and have stuck with that. Um, and so you know, it's always kind of been a part of my life. And uh, just at one point when I was looking for a job, I ended up working at uh, the Chesapeake Bay program office in Annapolis, Maryland, which uh, was EPA and the states trying to clean up that the nation's largest estuary. Uh, that's just where a job panned out. And then it all clicked. Like, I'm like, well, hey, I'm, I'm personally passionate about water. Now I've got a professional path as well. Um, and so just kind of kept charging along that. Travis, you've had a pretty diverse career in water, going from more government type roles to WEF role to now being an entrepreneur in the industry. I'm curious to hear your take on what you've learned about telling water's story and how people tell that story as part of those different organizations and what our audience can learn about how to tell water's story. Oh, that's a really good question. You know, yeah, I've, you know, been in communications at, at that Chesapeake Bay program at EPA headquarters in DC for the Water Environment Federation and then doing the water loop now. Um, you definitely have different ways that you can tell stories in those different situations, if you will. Obviously, when you're at EPA and in the federal government, it's a little it's a little different versus then when you're working at WEF and with all the water professionals and the utilities and then when you're on your own and it's no constraints 
Um, so, but I think that there's common threads that run through it all that make those stories successful and people are just like at the center of that, right? Like it's, it should always revolve around people and the, and the intersection of water with their lives and how, whatever you're doing with water, whether it's a federal policy or a, a educational conference at WEF or whatever, like how that impacts people's lives. Um, you know, we often say we're like in the water business, but it's almost like we're in the people business and water is just like the medium for that. Yeah, one of the things I was impressed with, always been impressed with, Travis, is your ability to get good guests on the show. <laughs> and you recently had one of my favorite hydroluminaries, uh, Sandra Postel, on. And uh, can you can you give us an idea of how you think about who you should have as a guest and how you actually encourage them to be on your show? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um you know, it's just, there's so many people out there. I have, my problem is that like my list of people that I want to have on and issues I want to talk about is way longer than I have space in my editorial calendar. Uh, so, you know, I really go for the people that are most interesting to me, a topic that's most interesting to me, or something that's really relevant at that moment, you know, a, a particular area of activity like green infrastructure, nature-based solutions, PFAS, right? Like what's, what's the, uh, the relevant thing in our, in our space at that moment? Uh, Carl Ganter, who founded Circle of Blue, you know, talks about, we look for moments of relevance uh, as communicators, as journalists, as media outlets, like try to try to jump on that. So that's, that's one thing I do, but, but yeah. And all honesty, like I said at the beginning, I'm like, this, this sounds interesting to me. I want to talk about that. So just go for it. Um, and I've been really lucky that for overwhelmingly people are willing to, to come on and, and talk. I want to talk a bit about your now entrepreneurial journey, Ooh, Travis. Yeah. And I want, and I'm, I'm specifically interested in knowing what you're doing with Waterloo, but how you are helping other people tell the story around water. So, mm. you know, feel free to pitch it as hard as you want, but you know, I think for anyone <laughs> yeah. listening like this, this, you should listen to this because it's not a hard sell. It makes a ton of sense. So uh, let's hear I, it. I appreciate you asking. Uh, so yeah, I'm still, I'm having this mix of, of excitement and anxiety about <laughs> going off on my own with Waterloop. Uh, it's a nonprofit media company uh, that's focused on exploring water solutions uh, through podcasts, videos, and social content. Um, you know, there's so much doom and gloom in the in the in the news for the most part about the latest challenge, problem, crisis, whatever it is. It's critical to be educated about that stuff and call attention to it, uh, but at the same time, we need to focus on the solutions that are out there and sharing those so that others can copy them, um, sharing that there is a path to progress. Look at this success story. Look at this person that's creating change. Uh, because again, we can all learn from that and, and especially get inspired from it and kind of not, not give up. Uh, and so that's what I'm trying to do with the Waterloop content. Uh, I've got a lot of, of uh, focus on a range of topics, but highlighting emerging leaders and diverse voices is one area. 
Waterloop is a media partner at the Reservoir Center in DC to cover some of the conversations they have there. I've launched a a six-part series on PFAS in the Cape Fear River and how this community has responded. That's where I live, Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, And then I'm also doing a series on financing lead service line replacement. What are the options out there? So again, those moments of relevance, right? PFAS, lead, uh, emerging leaders and and stuff. So that's that's kind of the content that's coming for the next six months. Uh, I'm also really lucky that I'll be getting out uh, into some communities like uh, the Seventh Ward in New Orleans, the Central Valley in California, Navajo Nation, uh, and kind of seeing some of the solutions and, and people uh, in person and, and putting that content out. So, uh, yeah, it's again, it's crazy to be to be going out on my own at this point. Um, but it, it seems to make sense. So I'm just going to keep falling back on that. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. Yeah, you mentioned one of the things that we talked about is the pros and cons of what the mainstream media is doing Mm. around water. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and how you're trying to fill in, you know, some of those holes about uh, the the mainstream media? Yeah, it's been interesting watching, like, I was just thinking about this recently, the past 20 years with kind of environmental coverage in the mainstream media. There there used to be these really grizzled environmental reporters at, like, the Baltimore Sun or the Chicago Tribune, and they were just on that beat for 20, 30 years, and they were amazing and putting out quality stories. Uh, and then we had the big newsroom cuts that happened, you know, around 2010, a couple of years before, a couple of years after. Uh, I don't have the stat in front of me, but there's like a huge percentage cut to the to the staffs and environmental reporters were like, <laughs> you know, first on the chopping block. Right. Uh, media outlets stuck with the, the town hall and the police and all that kind of stuff. So there was this kind of vacuum um, of you know, that happened when it comes to covering environment and water, uh, that some of that was filled with these, these nonprofit outlets or these other little publications. Um, and sometimes some of those grizzled journalists found their way to those, which is good. Um, and so that's kind of uh, some of the space that I'm trying to fill. I'd say what, what makes me happy is over the past just few years, uh, I see so much more coverage now from the biggest outlets like NPR, Washington Post, New York Times, Associated Press. Uh, they're kind of shifting back uh, to covering water issues, especially through the climate lens, because it's happening in our lives. So it's newsworthy. Uh, things like Flint, right, have, have sparked it. The big hurricanes, the aridification of the American West. So they've had no choice but to kind of come back to this coverage. And I think that's good. I also see a lot of stories from mid and small size publications in my clips I get every day about, oh, this park just got redone and they've put in measures to capture stormwater here, you know? So you're seeing like a lot of the projects happening around the country, especially in communities are actually getting picked up by 
you know, those little, those little outlets too. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I think that's, that's great. And hopefully that's raising public awareness around water. I, I didn't have an appreciation for how the mainstream media talked about water-related issues until just now. Like you just mm. gave a, a crash course, mm. which is fascinating. That's I, I, absolutely fascinating. So I, yeah. one, thank you for that. The second one is a lot of our listeners on this podcast are vendors of products or services. So solutions providers into the industry. Yeah. And one of the challenges I think they face is you know, I, I don't have the time to record a podcast or I don't have the time to write a newsletter or a blog post, whatever it might be. I know that you've dabbled in, you're active on Twitter, you're active on LinkedIn. At one point you were active on TikTok. So you- <laughs> I'm still there. Around. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Great. So you've jumped around a little bit in terms of yeah. how you're communicating that story. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start communicating the value of what they do or even just about the water industry in general in a way that's easy? Just to get just to get your foot in the door, just to start putting messages out there. I think that that's actually the key is not to feel like you have to have this big, huge, comprehensive strategy that you got to pull out all the bells and whistles that you have to be in every single channel or platform. Just pick one place to start that you're comfortable with. You know, uh, maybe it's because you use Facebook in your personal life or because you record little videos for something, you know, just pick one little place to start. Uh, and and just allocate 15 minutes a day. Say, you know what? I saw this one thing or this thing's on my mind. Let me just write a couple sentences about it. Like just just take those first couple little baby steps and and you know make put it on your calendar that hey, every day at three o'clock I'm gonna put something out there. Um, yeah. And it make your your question also made me think of like uh, the idea that there's a lot of opportunities you know, not just through my platform, but through other platforms for vendors, for companies, you know, whoever it might be to kind of collaborate uh, and get content out there. Um, the best stuff is not a hard sales pitch of like, look at our new Turbo 10,000, right? It's more about showing your expertise and thought leadership on a subject. Uh, that's what the audience wants. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect, perfect. One of the things I've always admired about you, Travis, is your ability to create partnerships with uh, organizations and different people. You want to talk a little bit about that, who you've been involved with and where you're going with that kind of uh, strategy? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's, I guess, annoyed me about the water sector, and this is probably not unique to the water industry, but it's like there seems to be so many parallel tracks going on, so many separate silos going on, whether it's with associations or companies or organizations at all different ways, you know, and it's like, my God, if you if you come together, it's that one plus one is four kind of math. Um, and so sometimes I, I wish that we all could set our egos and competitiveness aside a little bit and, and try to like, okay, let's come together for and get more out of it and have more impact. So that's kind of like generally what I'm trying to do um, by, again, working with some other organizations on some, on some of the content that I'm putting out. Um, and again, I'm just getting going. I just started really relaunching this here in, in, uh, in late January. So looking forward to see what comes. But that's my philosophy is like, we can get a lot further together than individually. Okay, so we're rapidly approaching the end of the show, and we have one final question for you, Travis. So Jim and I have managed to find an airplane through our charming nature and wit. 
And that airplane, we are going to tow a banner behind. We're going to fly to Wilmington. We're going to pick you up. I guess it could be a seaplane this time. We'll land it it on the river or land it on the ocean. We'll grab you. And we get a chance to fly that plane around the world in front of the home of every single water professional. Mm -hmm. What do you want that banner to say? You basically have a tweet's worth of characters. A whole tweet. I'll keep it. I'll keep it to more like a tagline. Sweet. And I'll say, I'll say you're on the winning team. Uh, I, th- I think that, that we have to, in a lot of ways, the sector does this, but like we have a, we have a winning product. We have a winning service. We, we are something that is deeply personal to people and we need to just lean into that and, and have that confidence, you know, and whether we're in communications or in engineering or whatever it might be, uh, don't have any trepidation about, uh, you know, touting, touting the water sector and, and your work, um, you know, be, be out there more, be more forthright. Uh, you're on the winning team. So, you know, let's, let's just always act like that. Love yeah, that. that's fantastic, uh, Travis. Uh, just uh, what the audience should really want to hear. So, hey, thanks again for being our guest. We really appreciate it. Awesome. It was great to be on with you guys. Thank you so much.